Hello and welcome to our source. Well, my name is Elvis, and as always, I'm your host. All right, it's going to be kind of a short one because we don't have that much news to talk about. We don't have a lot of reviews. So let's just get on right into it and let's start with the big news topic this week, which is Future State. We finally have the full details on DC's Future State. And it is, like we all assumed, basically just 5G, but crunched into two months worth of minis, one-shots, two-parters, and side stories. All detailing what is yet another possible future for DCU. Instead of, you know, doing the whole five years later style status quo shakeup like the Dio had planned. And honestly, the entire thing is kind of boring to me. Doing a whole line-wide shakeup isn't exactly thrilling, but then just using it as just a small, short, inconsequential stopgap, similar to Convergence, enthuses me even less. It just sucks all the air out of the room. If it's just going to be a small spattering of stories, they just don't really get the foothold they need. And a shame because a lot of the ideas that are being passed around and that are, you know, we're seeing in these stories that are being announced are interesting. There's just so much going on that the sheer amount of variety and creativity is astounding, honestly. Stuff like the Portuguese-inspired Wonder Woman, Superman vs. Imperious Lex, Suicide Squad of Clayface, we're going to be Martian Hunter of all things. It sounds fun, but it does seem hobbled that it doesn't have that much foundation to stand on. I mean, I know that DC has hinted that the most popular things might get seeded in the main line, once we return to that, but honestly a lot of this would have been better served by its own pop-up imprint, like Wonder Comics, or just bringing back the Elseworlds banner full-time and having these ideas really flourish on their own in self-contained stories. But that's just my two cents. Let's see what the future brings and fingers crossed that it turns out to be good. Alright, next up we have the announcement that Jared Leto is coming back to the DCEU in reshoots for Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. A lot of people are saying that this is probably pointing to the fact that maybe the air cut has some traction going on behind the scenes. I mean, more power to them. I mean, I'd watch that if it happens, just out of pure interest. But my main takeaway is that if Zack Snyder is going out of his way to bring back Jared Leto's Joker into the reshoots, despite the fact that there's absolutely no way he would have any impact whatsoever, means that he could just do whatever he wants in these reshoots. So let's just have... A new Genesis reshoot scene. I mean, there's no excuse not to do it anymore. If you're going to bring back the Joker, let's just see a CGI voiceless Orion or Highfather or Light Ray. Let's get this happening. If you're going to do Apocalypse and you're really going all out for making this one self-contained movie, like I guess Zack Snyder is really trying to do with these reshoots, new Genesis all the way. So fingers crossed for that. Anyway, let's move on to whatever this week. I only read a couple of things, which is the Exoswords chapters 9 and 10 from the ongoings for Excalibur and X-Men. And alright, we've basically reached the end of the first month of the X of Swords, and I have to say, so far so good. Now the first and third week are still among my favorites, without a doubt, and the less said about the Wolverine pit hole the better, but this week was no slouch either. It's maybe a little less focused than other better issues, but it packs enough of a human and emotional punch that it does do the job in buffering out the event without feeling needless and pointless. We're still in the phase of setting the stage here, so these issues really do live or die on whether they make the characters coming together and dealing with their chosen status an engaging and enthralling experience to read. And these two issues do their best to provide that, with Excalibur really laying into the Braddock twins and how they both either feel like they need or want the responsibility of being the one shouldering the Captain Britain mantle or partaking in the tournament. It really does a great job of doing what the rest of the ongoing has been so insanely inconsistent and incompetent about, like how Brian and Betsy actually feel about the new status quo. The series has been trying to address this in all kinds of weird ways, but it all comes off as being flimsy and convoluted. It's tiring. Actually confronting it head-on here, with wonderful use of dynamics and some very hot-blooded passion and humor, makes all the difference. 
I mean, I still have absolutely no fucking clue what this whole Captain Britain Corp subplot is all for, but at the very least, they were used well this time. So yeah, it makes the sword gathering and entrance to the rest of the team a well-earned and enjoyable moment. It had impact. The second issue of this week's round is yet another slow burn and character-focused entry, but this time about Apocalypse. And I found it a bit dull. The issue is well done and penned by Hickman himself, but I've never been a huge fan of Apocalypse's backstory stuff in this run. And this is just an entire issue all about that. He's great as a side character, and he's been great in you know ongoings we've seen because he has so much of war to bounce off of. But a single issue all about him is just too ponderous for his own good and for its own merits. It does have some entertaining beats, but I feel less for Apocalypse and his old remembrances than I do for his current bonds with mutants like Richter. Overall, want them up, want the middle across the board. But I can't wait for the midpoint next week in Exosword Stasis, and you know what? It's still a pretty decent event so far. Anyway, let's move on to what I watched this week, which we have the third winner of this year's third annual Unsourced World Halloween blowout, with the winner of this poll being Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. And since I did the first movie last year, it only makes sense to tackle the second this time, and I'm really glad it won the poll. Unfortunately, for the second effort from Nick Cage and new directors Mark Nibeldeen and Brian Taylor, that's where my gladness kind of ends. Alright, like I'm not going to pretend that a Ghost Rider movie starring Nick Cage from the guys who brought the Crank series wasn't an incredible idea. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer for something that would be madcap insanity that's also entertaining. The movie just never lives up to that promise. And in fact, also kind of fails to capture similar heights that the first movie had. And that's going to be my hot take for this review. That the first one was a lot better in so many ways. Now, the first movie gets a lot of the short drift. And I admit that for years, I thought it was just a dull, meandering, bland piece of crap as well. Even though I only saw it once. But when I rewatched it last year, I gained this new appreciation for just how much of it is this wacky live-action Looney Tunes cartoon. It's just so unashamed to be as outrageous and as silly and as unfettered as it can be in the set pieces, the visuals, and even the corny as hell melodrama. It was a melange that wouldn't and shouldn't have worked, but somehow ended up really being, you know, enjoyable C-grade product. It's like if the Constantine movie was way worse, but had much more Peter Stromari sprinkled throughout it. Not that great, but there's still a lot more little beats of fun that are all over the place. As for the sequel, it kind of hits the middle note and then stays right there throughout almost the entire runtime. The plot for what it's worth is less entertaining, the visuals are meant to be more stylistic and aesthetic with a grungier, rougher outlook, being more in tune with the director's previous movies like Crank and Gamer, but all that really restricts it and keeps it pigeonholed. And as with Gamer, that entire aesthetic can become a bit overbearing and an eyesore at times. The set pieces can be really fun, but the stripped down nature of things makes it so that it doesn't get as goofy as it once was. And that is a bad thing, because outside of those, there's nothing really to hold interest here. And so you might roll your eyes at somehow me putting a bland average early 2000s Marvel movie plot on a pedestal here, but the fact of the matter is that it was so set in that mold that the excursions it made to Toontown were so much more powerfully out of place and hilarious. So really, if there's no plot here, no excitement, and no characters to really phone home about, What's the draw? And I guess it's Nick Cage. He still brings his all, and the one thing this movie tops the first one with is the transformations. The aesthetic, the directing, the editing all come together along with Cage's really expressive and manic nature to nail more grisly, more zany transformations than the first could ever hope for. And the first is kind of, I mean, it was fine, but it was so low-key for what that movie did otherwise. And this one actually nails what those transformations could have been. And if only you could mix and match these two movies, you'd probably get something really, really damn good out of it. So yeah, it's not an altogether bad experience or watch, but it is very mediocre and it's somehow even more standard than the first movie for the type of movie it is. I mean, it even has Danny Ketch as this, you know, precocious 
in like an edgy preteen kind of way sidekick the ghostwriter and it's like you know that's kind of been done and it was already being done at that point so it's not bringing anything new to the table but I do see why people prefer it out of the two. I mean, in the first movie, for every Peter Fonda as Mephisto, we had Charisma Void, Wes Bentley as Blackheart. So again, it wasn't perfect. I just got more out of it. But for my money, it's still definitely the first one for me as the ranking top one. Even though Sarah Hines does do a commendable job taking up Mephisto's mantle. Overall, decent rainy day stuff for the season and a score of 5 out of 10. Two films middle. Still probably worth it just for the laughs. Anyway, that's it for this week. I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who voted in the poll. It means so much to me and having a really great time making these reviews and just celebrating the Halloween season and just kind of immersing myself in it. So I can't wait for the last poll next week and hope to see you there and hope that you enjoy these. Anyway, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who's listened. It means so much to me and I really do appreciate it. So thank you so much. And I want to give a shout out to the Carvarters at D-O-T-E-M-C-E-E. Please check them out. They're amazing. And I want to wish you all... A great weekend and see you again next time.